Some silly pricks left the uh, microphone and the uh, laptop out, so we've dashed off another episode of the Thrill Me podcast. I'm your host, Adam. My alleged co-host is beside me, Jared. Adam. I hope you're happier now about the uh, libations that I've brought. Yeah, yeah. You've uh, you've passed this week. Just a pass. Can't give you any more than that, but well, you're working on it. You seem to have gone backwards with Pepsi. You know, I don't really... Yeah. Well, Partaking thought, that kind of urine. Look, on. I thought if you're not going to bring the, the real deal, <laughs> I'm not going to. So I've returned, sir, and you're just going to have to live with that. Okay, game on. Um, this week, Jared, we're on deadly ground with Stephen Seagal. <laughs> mm. And it, that's some pretty shaky shit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The ground's not solid underneath no, the feet there. But before we get to... Um, Cutting through that uh, cinematic feces, we'll cover off on what we've recently been watching. Now, you have finally got some time off from university. Yes. I believe you've slid back into a few uh, few movies. Yeah, I wrapped up a major portion of my studies this week, so jumped straight back into it. Um, I've watched uh, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, finally. Yeah. I, I kind of liked it. Things got a bit weak towards the end, and the, the story wasn't really strong enough to carry it all the way through. But it was pretty slick, and there was some some really excellent visual things in there. Uh, one of those scenes stood out where the camera sort of circles around the car, and every time it passes a window, the window, window gets spattered with blood. Yeah. And then it cuts to inside the car and shows, you know, the knife going up, and then it comes down again back outside the car. Another yeah. Like, there was some really inventive stuff like that, and it looked really slick, really well done. The setup of bringing the old movie into it actually worked. Yeah. And for a lot of the movie, even though you were well aware that we were in current day, it actually looked like yeah. uh, it looked like this sort of 70s bit of work. Yeah, they, they sort of shied away from mobiles and things yeah. like that that would give away the fact that it was in current day. Yeah, it was. they were present. They were yeah. there throughout, but they were kind of subtle. The meta aspects actually worked a lot. It yeah. was surprising because usually that fucks up a lot of these movies. Trying yeah. to sort of shoehorn all these sort of interesting ideas and stuff and trying to blur the lines between the remake and the old one and mm. everything like that. I thought they did that really well. I was, yeah, I was a bit worried about that, but I thought that was actually probably one of the stronger parts of the movie, the way they the way they did that, the story they concocted to bring the old movie into it as a real-life, you know, as, as a, um, a dramatisation of something that actually happened yeah. and that sort of brings it into the real world of this one. Like, I actually liked that. I thought they did that really well. Is that a Ryan Murphy? He was involved. Yeah. I can't remember what he did. Producer, maybe. I'm I'm pretty big on him. He seems to have a lot on lot going in the horror mm, horror the genre. He seems, he seems to like. He's a Glee fan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's not go there. But <laughs> <laughs> I think he seems to have an interest in the horror genre. Like he's got the American Horror Story. Yep. He's just put out one um, called True Crime America. And then he's also prepping that Scream Queens, which is like a slasher TV show with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. So I kind of like the fact that he's sort of pretty big in the horror genre. Yeah, and definitely seems to be going with that meta. Yeah, and, and is seemingly a slasher Angle. fan, which which works for me. Yeah. What else? What else have we got uh, into? watched the doco on Netflix called Dogfight, which was about um, backyard boxes in Miami. Quite, quite good. Pretty brutal. Yeah. There's, there's full-on sort of footage of, of fights in the backyards. Some really tragic stuff going on in there. Um, there's some really excellent sort of really really great moments of, you know, playing off these people talking about, you know, 
what champions they are, you know, how, how good it feels to win, played off with the fact that they're living in total poverty and punch the shit like out of yeah, yeah. in the backyard for, for 200 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's it's quite good, worth a look. Yeah. Um, I watched Tomorrowland at the cinemas. Quite liked it. Yeah. I'm a Brad Bird fan, so it had that vibe of sort of uh, kind of a an adventure type movie that you would have would have really gone for when you were a kid. Yeah. I I was quite quite partial to it. I liked it. Uh, there's some fairly heavy handed messages about um, you know sustainability and the world and that sort of thing. Went right over your quite, head. Which is quite poignant for, for what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, most of goes, it all goes. Subtle as a sledgehammer on the segway set. But yeah, it was it was it was pretty good. It was enjoyable. George Clooney was good for a bit of a laugh. Yeah, he, yeah. he plays that you know cranky old cranky old bugger quite well. Yeah. And what else? Daredevil. I finally got around to the last episode of Daredevil. How um, was it? Finished strong. I'm a fan. Color me, color me excited for season two. <laughs> yeah, I was I was big on it. Good, good. Uh, that's about. What I've watched. Okay, but we expect more from you over the coming weeks. Oh, the next, time week hands. Will, the next week will be... Um, this will be a 45-minute segment. Catch up time. It'll yeah. be its own fucking podcast, won't Yes. It? I pretty much saw very little. Uh, I caught the second half of the Ivan Milat television drama, yep. Catching Milat. Look, equally as good as the first part, solid dramatisation, excellent acting, but by the numbers. If you really, yeah. really wanted to know the depths of this guy's fucking mind... I'm sure you could grab a book or something or even just get on the net yeah. probably find out the details. And I felt that there wasn't really anything specifically interesting into how they, they, they caught him. But it was worth a look. Yeah, I've got it uh, I've got it taped there ready to look at. And I believe last week I said, you know, it might have been that they were painted into a corner by sticking to the facts and that sort of thing. Um, during the week, I read a newspaper article where one of the te- detectives said it's pure bullshit. <laughs> so, once again, showing my knowledge. Yeah, of, absolutely. You know Showing my knowledge of the industry there. And the only other thing I saw was Poltergeist remake. Yeah. And obviously, I've posted a written review on our Facebook page, Thrill Me Podcast Australia. So, please get on there, check it out. Please comment if you've seen the movie and you've got a different view or you want to just post a review of your own. Just chuck it on there. Sounds um, like you loved it. No, I didn't love it. <laughs> but, yeah, check it out. It, it, I think I explained it pretty well in that short review as to why I didn't feel it was worth, you know. It was another one of these why sort of remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I wasn't against it being remade. You know, it's not a movie that I sit there and go, fuck, you can't remake that. Yeah. It, it, it could have worked. It just mm. didn't for, for a lot of reasons, I think. That's pretty much it for me on the watching podcast, uh, watching side of things. Let's take a quick break and then dive into On Deadly Ground. Steven Seagal. In you, I've seen a great spirit. Back and better than ever. Native eight. Oil workers zero. On Deadly Ground. Rated R. Starts Friday, February 18th. On Deadly Ground, made 1994. Directed by Steven Seagal. His first... An only movie as a director, if I'm not mistaken. Thank God. Produced by Stephen Seagal, Julius Nasso, who produced a lot of the early Seagal films, and Nark, and A. Kitman Ho, who actually seems like a producer of some substance with Platoon, JFK, and The Ghost in the Darkness under his belt. I don't know what the fuck he was doing here. Yeah, I love Ghost in the Darkness. Written by Ed Horowitz, 
who did Exit Wounds and Canine P.I. I didn't even know that existed. It was a surprise to all. A-lister. James Belushi is in it, if anyone's you know, a bit concerned that they, yeah, there's no continuity in the series. And Robin U. Russen, who did nothing else other than a movie called A Thousand Cuts. The movie star Steven Seagal as Forrest Taft. Now, we all know him from Hard to Kill, Under Siege, and 90% of the action movies on video on demand, currently. <laughs> Michael Caine. Slumming it. <laughs> From Get Carter, the Nolan Batman films and the Italian job. He plays Michael Jennings, who's also a footballer. <laughs> yeah. And John C. McGinley as McGruber or <laughs> McGruder. He's from Scrubs and Any Given Sunday. Now, this movie might, was cost a fairly... I'm rebound. I'm rebound the, uh, <laughs> yes, Earl Manigold story. Yeah. The budget for this movie was a fairly hefty $50 million. I think $35 million of that was an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Box office was at untidy $38.6 million. That was in the US alone. There's no... I couldn't find any information about worldwide box office, but knowing Seagal sort of films, he probably stitches up another 50 mil on the... Over in you know overseas, uh, just to just to sort of let people know, this movie was actually nominated for three Golden Raspberries, Worst Picture, Worst Actor, and Worst Director. <laughs> <laughs> um, joined the dots and realised that Steven Seagal was involved in all of those. He did win. He did pick up the best at the Worst Director tag in the Golden Raspberries. Though. Mm. Okay, well deserved. well deserved. Synopsis of this film, Jared. Can you provide a synopsis for this movie? Not really. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, something to do with Seagal's working as a freelancer for an oil company, putting out their fires. He gets wind of a bit of a dicey, a dodgy sort of um, thing going on by Michael Caine and his crew using shitty parts, and he begins to... He, he gets... They try and kill him, I believe. He wakes up and he's being tended to by the... Native Americans? Eskimos or something? Well, it's not, yeah, Native Americans. Yeah. And uh, I think. They, they, they nurse him back to health and teach him the ways of the bear or something. Uh, he's, the, he's the spirit of the bear. Spirit of the bear. And then he comes back and kicks the shit out of him and kills everybody. Mm. And then provides an environmental message at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sort of a thanks for coming at the end. It's a lecture. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I believe he's doing six months stint at fucking Harvard or something. <laughs> General thoughts, Jared, on this movie. I didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an understatement. You didn't probably love not. it. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's probably a two, a two out of five effort. Is it that much? <laughs> One and a half out of five, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, look. This is a steaming pile of shit. It's pretty ordinary. But it, but the, the funny thing about it is, when I was thinking about it last night, it's it's not neither good nor bad. I don't know. It's kind of in the middle. It's just a, it's a nothing movie. Right, no, it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. But what I mean is, it's not even so bad. It's good. You can't sort no, of really enjoy it for that. There's a couple of moments of that, um, but it more comes from Seagal's sort of pompous <laughs> bullshit of belief that, that you know people are going to look at this as a serious kind of message yeah, yeah. and so you're giggling when he's trying to actually put out some fairly noble <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. messages look, I'm sure his heart was in the right place yeah, yeah. but in so was his fist <laughs> <laughs> in this sort of movie 
to make sure everyone else's heart's in the right place, he kicks it out of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Your yeah. heart's in the right place, David. Uh, bang. I'm punching you in the face. Uh, yeah, it's a one and a half star for me as well. There's just something about it that just kind of makes me go, uh, Yeah. You know, the moment I'd finished watching it, I'd fucking forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, what was that yeah. about again? You were thinking, the moment you were finished, the moment you were finished with that environmental message and the credits rolled, you thought... I might go out and buy myself a gas covering. <laughs> yeah, um, Mustang or something. Yeah, yeah. Go, I might start throwing my um, my cans in the general yeah. rubbish rather than recycling. Recycling my ass. Things like that. I believe it, it, in between the times that you actually woke up during watching this, yeah, it was, only, really it was sort of only a short nap. Put you to sleep a bit, didn't it? It put me to sleep at one point. Yes. Okay, let's get into the the real meat of this this environmental. Shit fight. <laughs> the likes. Look, I'll I'm take. Thinking, I'll take. Yeah. I'll take the first like. There's one for you. Yeah, I know that much. The movie starts with like a like a crane shot or a lot of a lot of um sort of swooping cameras over beautiful lakes and and you know mountain ranges with snow on them. And you know what I say. Bravo, Director Seagal. Bravo. You had me. You had me from hello. I noticed you perked up immediately. Immediately I was awake. I was your ready. Love of a, your love of a body of water or oh. a, a snow-covered mountain has been, you know, well Steven covered here. Seagal. I saw you sort well of done. sit up and take note leading towards the screen. I was Eyes immediately wide. excited by the whole fucking thing. Oh, loved it. Any other likes? <laughs> That, that one lasted about 30 just seconds. Just letting people know, that was the first 30 <laughs> seconds. So and Then it started to slide down that ice covered Immediately, I think. Fast. Uh, yeah, there was one other one. Michael Michael Caine delivers a couple of lines that are quite funny. Yeah. Only uh, a handful. The, the bit where he's, he's, he's shooting a commercial for the wilderness and that, and the director's going, what we'll do is we'll start up close to this and we'll... Pan out and pan out, and we'll get the whole thing in. And Kay turns to him and goes, "Listen, next time you got something to say, shut the fuck up and say it to yourself." And I was like, "That's gold." Yeah. There was a handful of fun a handful lines. of those lines, but overall, that's really it. Right? Yeah, that's it for the lot. And this is the thing: I can't even say there's a couple of pun- good punch-ups that I enjoyed. No, there wasn't. And this is a cigar film. Yeah. Fuck, that was the only reason I was watching it. <laughs> that those likes. Lasted for less time than the swooping shots of the mountains and the snow-covered ranges. But but remember, snow-covered ranges, mountains, bodies of water. You know, there's a good ten percent of the population watching the movie who just perked up instantly <laughs> when they saw that. Okay, dislikes. Well, as you sort of so eloquently put it, <laughs> produced by Seagal, directed by Seagal, starring Seagal. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that's no way to start a movie. <laughs> that is, that comes just after the sweepy cameras and you realise, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> what am I in here? Yeah. It just, it, it just brings the, to immediately, to a screeching halt, you realise, oh, shit. You know what we've got here? We've got a vanity project. Even people who like Seagal probably would think that's a little too much Seagal. Look, that, for that, one movie. that's a triple threat. If you had the quadruple threat <laughs> written by Seagal, you're in all sorts of trouble. Well, I'm surprised he didn't slap a few songs from, uh, what was his album? Songs from the Crystal Cave. I'm surprised <laughs> he didn't provide the, the music as well. Well, you would think that it would have fit in with the environmental message and the Native Americans and all that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. 
Or, he's, or maybe he's fallen off our Mojo <laughs> Priest. <laughs> I don't know. Songs, um, of, songs from the Crystal Something. There was a, I don't know what the inspiration <laughs> was there, but there was definitely Crystal Something involved. What so I love about Seagal too, Jarrett, is the man has no kind of self-awareness that stepping out of a helicopter with a pair of black cowboy boots on, a sheepskin jacket <laughs> covered in dream catches or some shit with tassels hanging down... <laughs> you got to be self-aware that that's not a good look for an action hero. No. I mean, he looks like one of the village people. <laughs> Except the the, um, the Native American from the village people and, looked more um, legitimate and realistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, he's also rocking the ponytail, and he's got the worst tan in the history of the world. Yeah. He looks orange. <laughs> well, the way I described it was like he'd pinched the, he'd pinched the jacket off... Um, to Tanker from the WWF <laughs> or WWE nowadays, oh, and we all shit. know about you know the the cultural sensitivity <laughs> of, the, of the WWF. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. They were very good at presenting uh, you know racial uh, racial angles with sensitivity <laughs> and uh, you know making sure everyone was presented equally and well, fairly. Well, obviously, Stephen took his cues from Vince McMahon and Co. Yeah, he? must have performances ac- across the board. Are pretty bad. Yeah. And, I mean, I, th- I think you said it about Seagal. He's so wooden. If he'd have got anywhere closer to those fucking explosions, he would have just gone up. He would have gone up instantly. Instantly. He is. It, it was immediately clear. Having not watched the Seagal movie in a while, it was immediately clear why, he was, why he's a tier below the big action stars. Because yeah. they can at least act a little bit. He can't. He can't act at all. He, he just acts with his eyebrows. He just sort of stares at you with a squint. Yeah. And occasionally his lip might sort of yeah. <laughs> move. He gives you that slightly. sort of smile of, look, yeah, yeah, here I am. Look at my eyebrows. Look into my eyes. Yeah. Let's play fucking handsies. <laughs> yeah, all that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't meet the requirements of an actor. <laughs> no. He's just not capable of emoting well enough to convince you that this guy's a likable guy. He's always kind of a sort of a sullen prick. Like he doesn't talk much yeah. and he kind of hovers around the background. And he gives these stares of sort of, you know, what are you looking at type of shit. Yep. And that doesn't work. And I think that's why he's not accessible because you don't no. care for him. You don't care for his characters. Yep, exactly right. Michael Caine. Sleepwalking. So, <laughs> I don't think Kane, Kane came out of his fucking trailer during yeah. this making of this shit. Yeah, it's it's Kane is the um, Kane is the king of the the um, to put it in the in the um, basketball parlance. Kane is the king of keep getting them checks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just just keep getting them checks. Let me let me just put this to you, okay? I, I looked up Michael Kane's resume for a section of his resume around the time he made this movie and previous to that. Now, Michael Caine's a two-time Oscar winner. Hmm. He's got two fucking Oscars, yeah. so he's no bum. And right? yeah, great, great actor. Yeah, great, great actor when he's going. In Between 1984 and 1994, which this movie was made, his two Oscars have bookending just a steaming pile of shit. Listen to this. Blame it on Rio. We've got a couple here I haven't actually seen, but I don't know what they are. The Holcraft Covenant. He won an Oscar for Hannah and her sisters. 
Sweet Liberty, The Fourth Protocol, Jaws the Revenge, <laughs> fuck, Surrender, Without a Clue, Jesus Christ, he was in a real world of pain around here, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I don't mind that, Shock to the System, Mr. Destiny, Bullseye, Noises Off, Blue Ice, I mean, can anybody tell me if they've seen this stuff? <laughs> A Muppets Christmas Carol on Deadly Ground. Oh, I have seen The Muppets Christmas Carol. Any good? <laughs> it was all right. Let Muppets, me say this. It's always all right. Between that period, Michael Caine was a sleep, uh, streetwalker. Streetwalker? Yep, he was a whore. He would take <laughs> anything he could get. You know, his agent was a pimp. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably fair enough, this really. This is fucking shit. Yeah, it's I wouldn't probably, wipe my ass with this. Look, it's probably fair enough because uh, as an actor, he's basically saying, "Look, if you meet a price, I'll do, I'll do what you <laughs> ask for. <laughs> you pay the fee, I'll, I'll do that." Do you think that when he received, when when Seagal's people reached out to him, he thought, "No, nah, there's no fucking way I'm getting involved in this shit." How much? Well, it's like what they say about. Um, a drug addict hey, You've got to hit rock bottom Before you start Sort of climbing Your way back up I think that might have been His rock bottom moment Yeah Possibly <laughs> Yes Because I think in 99 He won his second Oscar Yeah so, there you so go. He thought Fuck Working with Seagal ugh. So indirectly Steven Seagal Is responsible for Kane's second Oscar He's responsible for an Oscar And a raspberry <laughs> Shit <laughs> He's covered all the bases Yeah Kane is <laughs> I swear there was a cardboard cut out of the bloke. <laughs> With boot polish. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> he was also, somebody got a little bit tan happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was on Seagal's, the, the, the fake tan was on Seagal's body and it was also on on Michael Michael Kane's head. <laughs> I thought we'll just slick a bit of fake tan through to, to darken the hair up a little bit. Yeah. Um, John C. McGinley, a guy that I love. I'm a massive John C. McGinley fan. Mm. Um, Scrubs, one of my favourite shows. Dr. Cox, great character, and he plays it so well. And he's a, he's a very good character actor. Yeah, he popped up in a lot of things prior to that that we but both kind of here, like. he is just... He, he, he's not good at this kind of role, I don't think. Certainly not in this one where it's not serious enough to give him something to do. It's kind of half-half. Who knows what the fuck they're going for. Yeah. And he seems kind of out of place a little bit. Yeah. When he's the heavy, you can't really take him as the heavy because of that sort of retrospective yeah. looking back at him through the lens of he was the funny funny bloke in, in Scrubs, you yeah. know. And also, every time he goes to sort of crack a half-smile, you think of Dr. Cox or... Yeah. The guy from Office Space. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> that's one of my great. That's one of the greats. And so there's one point where he kind of delivers a, a I guess it's kind of a one liner to the, you know, he's yeah. off the, he's off the phone from Kane and Kane's screaming and you know swearing and stuff, and he sort of hangs up the phone and says to the other bloke, oh, you know, he said to say hello or something like that, <laughs> and you kind of you can't even sort of, it just shatters any. Uh, attempted ang- sort of anger or Yeah, it just it shatters any attempt at trying to take him serious because all you think of is is his comedic work. Really. Yeah. And look, it's the same same goes for Michael Caine. Michael Caine's not a guy that you hire as a villain, I don't think, very often. He's a kind of a cheeky roguish type of character. He's always been good at that. Mm. And I don't know if this works. This is too yeah. much frothing at the mouth not really getting anywhere. I think I- it could have worked if 
if it was more of a straight down the line action movie. Yeah. Well, I, I read up on it, and it turned out he actually replaced Jeremy Irons. As right. The Jeremy man. Irons would have been better. Yes. But again, I don't even know if you take a good actor like that, you put him in a movie here where there's no real... The villain's not heavy enough. You know, yeah. like the material's not heavy enough to make the villain a, a serious threat. What they're going for is, again, it's a, somewhat of a hangover from the diehard... Um, villain of Hans Gruber, you know the, the the oily sort of brains behind the outfit yeah. with a group of thugs behind him, and this again just doesn't work in that respect. No, like I said, Kane's I think just it probably the time Kane's in his office fucking carrying on like a dickhead. I think I think it could have if it was a better better script, and like I said, straight down the line action movie. Okay, slow motion during action scenes. Mm. Doesn't do Seagal any favors. <laughs> yeah, it's, that that fight in the in the bar yeah. is just ridiculous yeah. because every time the, the, it gains a bit of momentum, it then slows down to see some guy get his cock grabbed in slow mo. <laughs> yeah, but you know what wasn't in slow mo was the, the guy saying "Ah, oh, my nuts" <laughs> as that was going on. That was that was kind of funny, but showing him in slow mo shows how little. He actually, it, it, there's no reason to use slow mo because he doesn't move at like lightning pace or anything. So you're not missing it if it's in full speed. Yeah, well, I'm assuming he's not on film. I'm assuming he can if you needed it because he's got all these skills, these martial arts skills. Mm. Yeah, I'm assuming he can probably move pretty quick. And back then he wasn't, you know, the bloke he is now. Yeah. He's so he's not, years old. You know, he's not leaping around and no, doing no, that's sort right, of Jackie yeah. Chan and Bruce Lee type stuff. Yeah, he's not. Showing him in slow-mo kind of highlights why they call him Beef Cigar. Yeah, because he's know? a big boy. Yeah, and he doesn't sort of... He he's been of... eating too many fucking pies, I think. <laughs> Even in this one, he's cracking a double chin. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying action heroes all need to be svelte, but it kind of helps a little bit. Yeah. A bit of muscle, a bit of, you know... I mean, maybe I'm sort of, you know, you you sort of, that's what you expect from your action heroes now. They're all muscle-bound, like The Rock and all that. You better be careful or you might get challenged to a game of slaps. Oh, fuck. I don't want to, actually, because even at 60, he's probably a bit quicker than me. <laughs> and, but then he will say to me at the end, after punching me into the fucking ground, what does it take to change the essence of a man? And, of course, I'll say... <laughs> I just need time. <laughs> no, you'll say nothing because I'm, I'm a prick. I'm going to be a prick for the rest of my life. Uh, you can't change the essence of a prick. <laughs> Jeez, you've really fucking teed off on me there, haven't you? Okay. This is where things really take this movie into the shit, into the toilet. And that is... Only just now? Yeah. At now, I'm still at least, you know, okay, a few people got their heads kicked in. There's a couple of explosions. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm happy. Body of water, swimming cameras. I'm still with you, Stephen. I'm still here. You had me at hello. You started to let me go, but I'm still around. This is where I walk out the door. He gets real heavy-handed with this stuff about racism and, and the Native Americans, and it's really, really, it's, it's fucking kind of hypocritical. Somewhat, yeah, there's, there's something really, really poor taste about it, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm sure that he was trying to do. He's trying to be, he's trying to give an action movie a bit of a message. Yeah, but this kind of stuff does not belong. No, well, this is where it hits Vanity Project. Yeah, and this is where, for me, the movie hits the skids. 
like I said, I've got no problem with making a movie around, you know, Native Americans or, or some other cultural group. That's that's not a problem. Hmm. Not a problem at all. The problem with this is that it overtook an action movie. You had an action movie and then for the middle third of it, you just took it in this direction of this message you're trying to spout about the Native Americans being and you didn't, really hard done by. Somewhat, you didn't really connect it back. No. It's, it's, it's kind it's, of not connected it at all. It doesn't connect to this this plot at all. Okay, there's a bit of a message about resources and stealing off land and things like that. Yeah, and oil destroying fucking, you know, but, naturally. I, I mean, when has this, this type <laughs> of movie been the, the vehicle for a message like this? Never. It hasn't. And the other thing is, like, he's talking about how we should all get along and we should all do this in the midst of kicking the shit out of everyone <laughs> inside. We should. Everybody. We should all get up. along. If you disagree, I would have punched your head in. That's basically how it sort of seems. Exactly. And the other poor taste angle of it is that he inadvertently presents himself a. Pretty, pretty close to a white bloke, as far as I can tell, as the saviour of the Native American people. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're kind of backhanding your own message there. Yeah. You yeah. See, so there's no Native American heroes in no. the movie either. Nobody no. steps up from the, the group that he meets to assist him, to, to do something for him. No. I believe, actually, one of the Native Americans is in the crew of blokes that's chasing him at the yeah. end. Yeah. And... Can I also point out, again, another way to backhand your own message, you champion the Native American people, then you hire an Asian to play the, the Native American woman. Yeah. Hire well, a believe, Native American. Yeah, I believe she's Asian. She's Asian. Her name's Joan Chen. Joan Chen, yeah. yeah. So, so that, that makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah. So um, you, you're championing these people, but you're a white bloke who is their saviour, who's the spirit of the animal or whatever. Your, your lead Native American character is played by an Asian mm. like how did how did he not see this as as being a little bit insulting yeah yeah it was 94 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we progressed we progressed from the 80s we weren't out and out racist yeah, yeah. now we were trying to do the right thing but we were still we were being racist <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um, you know what this movie could have made this movie better other than a full reshoot <laughs> a rewrite a rewrite no um Seagal not being the star. Yeah. It should have been a movie with an um, a Native American star. It's it's as simple as that. It, well, it, it wouldn't have made more, it any better, but it would have made it more sensible. It would have made it more relevant, but yeah. I'm telling you, the problem that would have happened then is it just wouldn't have got made. No, that's right. Because Steven Seagal at the time had some profile. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, this is where we come back to vanity projects. Yeah. So like we said, it was kind of admirable to try it, but it was it really screwed the pooch. <laughs> Really? He, he fucked that he fucked it up pretty badly. <laughs> he did because as you said, the insensitivities are just incredibly bad. Yeah, it, and from the guy who was supposedly trying to be your champion. You and know? I wonder if he looks back on it today and goes, God, No, he's moved on. Doing? He wears kimonos now, doesn't right. he? Instead of okay. <laughs> so he's moved down the native His wardrobe's gone from tassels to um <laughs> To kimonos. He it? might have got a message from the Native American people as a whole that says, Stephen, stop it. That'll do. Please. No more movies. Although he did do another environmental film. Oh, Jesus. Fire down below. Right. Yeah, yep. Jesus. That, um, stay tuned. <laughs> 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 that was probably the audio at some point. 
Okay, computers in '94. Oh yeah, wasn't I love this it. good? Wasn't it good? Uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody that used a computer in the movie, it was clear that they hadn't actually ever used a computer in their life before. That. Yeah, it's like those. Um, is it in two thousand and one? Oh, no, in Zoolander, where they throw the computer on the ground and stand over it and hit it with things and that, like, you know, they don't actually know what it is. And yeah. this is what this is all about. Cigar, when he first gets on the computer, he gives it one of these. <laughs> he just punches a few keys. Next thing you know, boom, he's in. Yeah, and then old mate that... Uh, I can't um, remember what his name was, that Hugh, old guy. Hugh, that's Hugh. it. <laughs> he... Hits three buttons <laughs> against the computer 100%. Downloading 100%. <laughs> and then John McGinley's there going, your computer's been downloaded. As if he knows what the fuck that means. He's got no idea what that means. And in the end, aren't they running with the whole computer's been downloaded onto one floppy disk? Yeah. If you've ever, you know, obviously people our age have experience with floppy disks. I'm an Amiga. Well, I don't know oh, about I- you, but... I was shuffling things around. <laughs> I was shuffling things around to fit five, like five bloody uni assignments on there. Let me tell you something. If you didn't have, if you were working with one disc drive, you were fucking having all sorts. You were you were spending all day playing a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I said to you at the time we were watching it, I think he they he um, copied over disc one of Muggy Island. <laughs> <laughs> one of seven. <laughs> I remember those days. Put in disc four. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, was, it, it was real. It was realistic. They would have gone back to Kane's office, and you would have heard him say, "He's got one floppy disk." And Kane would have said, "Oh fuck, you can't fit anything <laughs> on that, can you?" No, Don't we're worry in the clear. <laughs> he's not only, enough. Not enough he's to probably get only got there. the restaurant menu on yeah. there. We talked about this before, but the native Native American stuff doesn't really work. And and you sort of stated that you know the tassel jacket save you know, <laughs> takes 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 away from the the Native American storyline, and. Just in general, it seems like it's been grafted on from another movie. It's almost like it's another movie entirely. Yeah, it does. It feels a bit like it starts in that action sort of realm of the the oil. Yeah. Um, oil. Big explosions, a couple of punch-ups. Yep, and then it goes to Native Americans and sort of stays there for a while. And then you kind of think, are we still watching an action movie? And then all of a sudden we're back in an action movie. And I reckon it's 40 minutes in, in, the, in, the, in the guts there that's all that Native American stuff. And again, I'm not against that. I just don't see what the relevance was, and it never connected back. No, it just yeah, like you said, it felt patchwork. I mean, there's that scene where he's he's up in the he's up in the foothills or whatever with Joan Chen, and he's got those guys on his hammer, and he he well he, in his house as well. He also presses a button and a false wall slips away. And he's got <laughs> fucking more guns that he knows what to do with. Yeah, and then he's up in this bloody shack. And it's just full of explosives. Full. Like C4 and, and dynamite and stuff. And I'm thinking, you're supposedly like a, a warrior for people's, you know, for, for the environment and all this stuff. You accidentally throw a match in there, you blow the whole mountain down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You level you've, the mountain. You've said probably, you know, 27 species extinct yeah. by blowing the whole bloody mountaintop. We just need to be careful of oil spills, though. <laughs> Don't worry about mountains getting exploded. Yeah, as we said, there was enough explosive in there to satisfy both Rambo and Craig Baxley. Nah. <laughs> Baxley was probably working second unit on this, so <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I may have nodded off too. He's in the CIA, or he was in the CIA. 
Yeah, that something. just kind of gets thrown out there at the end. But it doesn't. It never. They never really tell us why, other than that he's one bad motherfucker. It's just sort of to explain away the fact that he can belt the shit out of everyone. Like. Yeah, yeah. That was the. That's the other thing. That that's part of the problem with the Seagal, cat the Seagal catalogue of movies is he's always either an ex CIA, a special forces, a cop, something that. Involves a certain amount of training and and skills. Mm. Instead of going, I'm not a guy with all those skills, and I guess that's because he can't really act. So he can't go anywhere else outside of those skill sets that he actually has, yeah. which is about weaponry and and martial arts and directorial skills and <laughs> nunchuck skills and fucking bow star skills. He's got all that, but he can't do a character that that has none of that. It no, can't just be an exactly. everyman. Can I just slip in an, another couple of likes? What? <laughs> Fuck. When we get to that, that bit where he's being hunted, what's his face? Um, Ali, um, what's his name? Ali Ermy? Emery? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, the guy in a full metal jacket. Yeah. When he first turned up, I started laughing because I, I, I said to you. Was it the mustache? <laughs> I said, Is it? He looks like Tom Selleck. <laughs> He's kind of got the big mustache. And then they went, you know, they, they sort of shaved his head into a, it's almost, it's not really a mohawk, but it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the top and they've shaved all the sides. I think undershaved. I kind of burst out laughing. So that was a lie. Um, that was a definite lie. I think he, he's, in, 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 in an alternative universe, he's known as the arsehole Tom Because <laughs> yeah. he likes to just rant and rave and yell. And, yeah, 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 you get him for a rant. Yeah. Um, you get him at a cheap price too to be a prick. The other like was Billy Bob Thornton. Even though he had, only had about three lines. He's probably a better actor. <laughs> he was one of the finer actors in the, yeah. in the piece. He's only in it for three minutes and he pretty shows more acting talent than the rest of them. Yeah. So I, I guess you know, we'll, <laughs> give it, we'll give it a couple of extra likes yeah, for okay. those two. We'll slide that in. The final speech. We talked about hypocrisy. <laughs> the, the, the language of hypocrisy in Seagal films. But the final speech, which is set in Congress or some shit... And he's talking about environmental issues, and he's got a PowerPoint presentation. Got a PowerPoint presentation. He's standing behind a lectern. Yeah, it's very impressive. <laughs> very impressive. But Until he, he opens his mouth. <laughs> but it goes on for a good five minutes, I think. It goes for a long time. In and it feels like a documentary or a, I don't know, a lecture. It is a lecture. It's a lecture to the audience, basically. And according to what I read too, they reckon it was much longer. Jeez. It was 11 minutes long. <laughs> oh, Talk about bashing you over the head on the fucking way out. Heavy-handed indeed. Oh, and it, it again, it, 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 it's so hypocritical because he craps on about renewable energies and and re, re, um, looking after our resources and stuff, yet the gallons of fuel they would have used to blow everything up contradicts that whole message. There were so many explosions in this movie. And uh, how come and the he's fact not in that jail? It, for killing all these people. Well, you know, he's he's a um, he's working for the good of the Native American people and f- of the environment. Okay. So, <laughs> so that gets you. Off. That gets you a free pass. That gets you. That gets you a round of applause um, gets, and a lecture at the end of the movie. That gets you third degree murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd probably get out of that with a yeah, with an ankle monitor. I guess we have to mention too that um, although he didn't get a, he didn't get a hand laid on him in this, 
He did get blown up at one point. Yeah. But yeah. of course, he woke up without a bruise. He does a fucking 360. Like, he gets airborne and does a 360. <laughs> now, shouldn't he be on fire? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, he used Steven Seagal. So he came out of that unscathed and then continued on. That was just a minor slip up. A minor I, slip I assume up. he, being that he's quite wooden, he'd been. Uh, Treated with some favourite <laughs> materials, so he yeah. wouldn't catch up. Well, that was a that was a minor minor hiccup, and then he went back to um, pr- proceeding through the movie without getting hit. Yeah, I don't think he gets hit at all. Does he, he doesn't. There's one. I'm pretty sure. He yeah, well, get there's hit. actually really only one hand to hand punch up. Essentially, there's a couple yeah. of quick ones later on, but it's just that punch up in the bar with that big dummy who who's bullying people and fuck. But he's changed. All it takes is a punch uh, in the face. He and that's needs all it takes time, Jared, and that was what not it, enough time. What does it take to change the essence of a man? It <laughs> takes my nose splattered across my face um, to change the essence of a man. And look, he is the most intolerant prick ever to be put on film, that guy. Yeah. The closest somebody gets to hitting Seagal is when he decides to headbutt. Yeah. That's yeah. about the closest you get to kind of laying something on him. <sighs> Yeah, that's about done it. Yeah, with on deadly ground, it's pretty poor. There's a hypocrisy to the message. For all of the good intentions, nobody looked closely at what they were making. I, I think the it's daily completely is, undercut. And and to me, this is the problem with your vanity project: is that blokes like that they they run the they rule the roost. They're producing, directing, starring. Probably working on the script that they're no, they're not held accountable to anyone. Yeah, and, and although you happened. do hear movies, you do hear stories about movies being sort of ruled over by directors and producers, but then this is the, the other side of the coin where sometimes a producer needs to tell you that's not happening. Yeah. This is shit, and yeah. this is the way it's going to go. Yeah. Unfortunately, Stephen Seagal was producer. Yes. <laughs> we'll take a break, and we'll come back and actually discuss. The uh, the Hollywood Vanity Project. He's the kind of guy that would drink a gallon of gasoline so he could piss in your campfire. You could drop this guy off at the Arctic Circle wearing a pair of bikini underwear without his toothbrush, and tomorrow afternoon he's going to show up at your poolside with a million-dollar smile and a fistful of pesos. This guy's a professional, you got me? If he reaches this rig, we're all going to be nothing but a big goddamn hole right in the middle of Alaska. So let's go find him and kill him and get rid of the son of a bitch. After watching On Deadly Ground and seeing, you know, Seagal, Seagal, Seagal on every fucking bit of credits, you pretty much get the gist this is a vanity project for Steven Seagal. It's obviously an idea or a script that he developed. And this, you point, you touched on it earlier on, this movie needed a steady hand. Somebody else going, Stephen, we don't need that kind of shit. Come off it, mate. Slow motion crotch grab? Not necessary. No, get Gets rid cut. of that. You needed a producer with some balls, yeah. <laughs> pardon the pun, <laughs> to be saying, Stephen, you've got to smarten this up, or this script is not ready yet. Yeah. Or something along those lines. And the problem with vanity projects is you don't get that because you've got no. a lot of yes men. you got a yes men. Yep. Everyone's looking at Stephen going, yes, sir, you know, whatever you want. Mm. You know, how does a bloke who's got no directing fucking skills that we know of get a 50 million budget to fuck around with? Well, most people are probably saying yes, Stephen, anyway, because they don't want their head punched in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's sort of, it definitely needed somebody to just say this doesn't work. 
and you know even then it's a it's a it's a situation that can go wrong because the, the producer can be the one that doesn't know what they're talking about but yeah. at least if you've got different angles or you've got different people throwing the ideas back and forth off each other you get to sort of workshop a little bit you get multiple people saying this is a bad idea maybe you take that advice but yeah. when you're sitting in your trailer by yourself reading your script and kind of saying gee this is great yeah. you know you don't get somebody saying no Stephen it's not and your lackeys are all going yeah it's great yeah, yeah it's great Stephen yeah the problem with Seagal, too, I think, in this case, in, in terms of this vanity project, is Seagal has had movies, certainly in that early period, when he first hit the scene, made specifically for him. Yeah. So they were projects brought to him to maximise his martial arts skills at the time. Yep. So he's always had these movies that were catering specifically to him. He then gets to On Deadly Ground. He decides he wants to be a director. He thinks he's got that kind of clout. And he had at that stage because Under Siege, I believe, had come out not long before that. Yeah. And Under Siege was a hit. Yeah, and it was... And it was a good movie. Legitimately good action movie, yeah. Yeah. So this guy suddenly decides that for whatever reason, he now has the clout to do whatever he wants. And this script, nobody seems to have given it a polish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no Seems to be short so. on polish I think Stephen wrote it And then said I better polish it up myself You know <laughs> I'll go back and polish myself And looking at the production team he did polish team, himself For 90 minutes Basically <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the producers on, in, involved A Seagull Nasso production These clowns had been running around Producing Seagull's movies For five years mm. They're not going to be uh, Independent And go oh, Jesus Stephen This is <laughs> shit You know so that's where these projects always seem to fall over. And I'm not saying that all vanity projects don't work. Look at something like Dances with Wolves. That's a vanity project. Yeah. But it worked. And it worked well. Won some Oscars. Mm. But the problem there is that went to Costner's head. Yeah. Next thing you know, he had vanity projects coming out of his ears. <laughs> and they were all shit, if I'm not mistaken. I think they probably should be renamed a Costner project. <laughs> <laughs> and because you had uh, Waterworld, yeah, that was a cost of vanity, I think. I believe he got in the editing room later on and tinkered. Mm. And then Waterworld's had... actually not not as bad as its yeah, reputation. I know. Everyone sort of gives it a lot of shit, but yeah. I think it's actually not that bad. I believe it lost a lot. Of it money, lost though. a lot of money. That's why it's got the reputation it does. And then there was the Postman. Uh, shit. Never bothered with that one. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want to. That was eighty million dollars. And this is the, the problem sometimes with... Um, it's an expensive package. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the problem, I think, with um, some of the movie studios is they will blindly follow these guys. Because they're hot, oh, he's got bums on seats at the moment. What do you reckon? 80 million? Yeah, 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 all right. What's this project about? <laughs> some bullshit about fucking EK Warriors. <laughs> oh, look, it's destined to be a hit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's the pitch meeting. It sounds like it. <laughs> uh, then there was also one of my favourites in the uh, in the Vanity Project world, Battlefield Earth. Yeah. I think I hired that once on DVD. I couldn't get through it. Couldn't get through it? Couldn't get through it. I didn't even start it. <laughs> didn't even get that far. I think I'd probably like to go back and watch it. But, I mean, yeah, that's – that's, I mean, Vanity Project, that was like a – it was a whole group of people, though, like – that were caught up in Scientology that were all sort of 
in on that. It's like you say, you know, when you're when you're leading the show, like Travolta probably was, everyone's a yes man. These guys were bent over backwards to be yes men because all the actors were Scientologists and everyone was... Was Barry Pepper a Scientologist? I can't quite remember. Maybe Pepper wasn't. Yeah. He fucking wonders what he was doing out yeah, there. Yeah, but it's sort, of, it's sort of like, yeah, not only is that a vanity project, but you've got all this exterior bullshit too where everyone's, in, everyone's involved in the religion, so they're all on board and talk well, about that, not, that, getting a, not getting a bloody... A bit of feedback. Well, look, that's actually probably the worst type of vanity project because not only that was the vanity of the star, but you're talking about this book that, that's been written in the 60s that they're trying to reimagine for the 90s. Was it the 90s? Yeah, it was made yeah, in the, it was 90s. the 90s. Yeah, And you've got a lot of people from that same religion be- becoming involved. Yeah. So what you have is really a, pro- a vanity project from Scientology, essentially. Yeah, kind of. That's in that respect, yeah, that, that, that'd be the way I'd put it. I mean, it's funny because I've got a book at home that's called Fiasco and it's all about these movies, big movies that went to shit and a lot of them are vanity projects. I mean, Waterworld's in there, Postman's in there, Battlefield Earth's in there. Yeah, Last Action Hero. You read the chapter on that, you know, these guys were just absolutely beside themselves. This is going to be the biggest movie ever. Schwarzenegger's involved and Schwarzenegger was involved in everything. And it was just a turd. Yeah. And not a turd in terms of, I kind of find it kind of all right. I love the idea, and I've still got a bit of a soft spot for that one, but it could have been a lot better than it actually was. But what it was, too, was it was too busy thinking that it was more clever than it was. Yeah. And I just think I just think when you look at, and I, I believe I called Stone Cold a vanity project when we covered Stone Cold. Um, yeah, I don't know if it is. It probably doesn't quite fall project. into it. But again, it's it's a, it's one of these things where they're kind of fitting a movie to a persona, yeah. Somewhat. I don't think I don't think Bosworth had the control over that one to see no. for it to be a movie project. Bosworth was lucky to be getting through the acting <laughs> phase of it. Yeah, he was he wasn't going to be controlling how it worked. But one interesting one that I sort of never thought of, but I, I read it brought up as a vanity project was Grindhouse, and yeah. I don't particularly think that Grindhouse is. I would say Planet Terror I don't think is. No. But Death Proof probably is a little bit. It's got elements of that where um, obviously Tarantino doesn't throw himself into a starring role or anything in that one, but the dance sequence where the, the chick's doing the dance for, for Stuntman Mike and she's, you know, it's that one just seemed like another classic sort of Tarantino check out this cool soundtrack that I was this cool song that I found to put on my cool soundtrack then there was that sequence of about 10 to 15 minutes where it's just the girls talking about Vanishing Point and what a great movie it is and it sounds like a lot of Death Proof comes off as rather than Tarantino it's all lip service to yeah yeah homages and shit yeah rather than paying paying homage to, to these movies which he does do he spends a lot too much time sort of talking about Hey, this is my taste and it's really cool. Mm. So I'm going to foost it upon you. So that one probably qualifies a little bit. I think so because it's also, I would suggest that the idea for Grindhouse came out of Tarantino and the idea of having the two movies and the, the fake trailers and the you know the missing reel and all that shit yeah. and, and making it all grubby and looking like it was 
you know, seventies sort of exploitation. Yeah, which I thought was a cool idea. It was but a cool idea. It probably is a very sort of niche. Yeah, it's a niche idea. market, and it's something that he liked. Yeah. Whether or not audiences were going to like it, but by that stage, Quentin Tarantino was a was do a, whatever. Yeah, wants. do whatever you want, and sometimes that backfires, and, and in that case, it did. Yeah. And that's that's not not to be you know. Some of the bigger directors going around have fucked that up too. Um, you know, Tarantino being one of them. I'm sure Spielberg throughout his career has had a couple of, you know, steps where, uh, you know, he loved the idea and he thought it was going to be great. Mm. Something like Hook. George for Lucas probably gets a bit of that. <laughs> George Lucas's career after Star Wars has been a. 20 years Look, vanity. Would it be fair, would, it, would it be fair to, to put the the, se- the third star the, the second Star Wars trilogy as a vanity project in total yeah probably because that whole think... thing he didn't necessarily have to have sequels there was yeah. no need for any of it and it's it, leaked into the originals because he continues to touch them up with ideas that he likes and, yeah. and things like that to the point where you know a lot of the fans are just saying just leave it and give us the original movies back yeah so I think you know I would probably say yes. Yes. And I think that those films tainted the original Star Wars series. Yeah. They were Somewhat. convoluted. And little bit convoluted, a little bit too tech. Noisy. Yeah. Um, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, yeah. Fucking worst character in <laughs> science fiction history. But Lucas was writing his own checks. Yeah. Write your own checks. Do, what do whatever you like. We will support you. Yeah. And uh, I think the, the original... Star Wars trilogy showed how having a little bit of a, a um, having some boundaries to work within can sometimes be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this is where on deadly we sort of slide back to on deadly ground. There's just no boundaries because the movie doesn't seem to know what it wants to be, and when you put it in the hands of one person calling the shots, you have not got an opinion objective enough to say, Stephen. This does not work. Let's let's shut this down and go somewhere else. Take take on another project. Yeah. But that should have been done at the start, Jared. You can't. What happens, I think, with a lot of these movies is they they invest twenty million to get talent on board, and by that stage the studio's gone fuck. This script sucks, but yeah. we are booked in. Yep. We're booked, so we're just gonna have to put up with it. Yeah. And that's how you end up with your on deadly grants. <laughs> I think that's, once again, covered our, our talk on vanity projects. Mm. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with what we're going to cover next episode. Is this podcast a vanity project? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> For us and about four other people. <laughs> we're angry because we're all being chemically and genetically damaged and we don't even realise it. Unfortunately, this will affect our children. We go to work each day and right under our noses we see our car and the car in front of us spewing noxious and poisonous gases that are all accumulative poisons. These poisons kill us slowly, even when we see no effect. Next episode, uh, we'll be covering 1984's A Nightmare in Elm Street. The original, looking forward to that actually because we've covered the other two big hitters from the, uh, the franchises. Halloween and Friday the 13th and I've really I think this is really one of the probably the most important one of the three I think yeah um, in terms of 
the intricacies and, and the like of it. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting discussion, I think. And I haven't watched it in, a, in quite some time. Yeah, it's been a while since I've gone back and watched the first I've one. I've seen the remake re- more recently. Part six? Uh, <laughs> I've avoided part six since I saw it in the 90s. Right, okay. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I watched it in a box session. Yeah. I think I borrowed it from you. Yeah, because I think it was one oh. of those moments where you <laughs> you made another outlandish comment Fuck. and then had to sort well, of I wish reassess. I... I believe your comment was... Oh, it's not as it's not that bad. Yeah, I've made some I've made some shit comments in yeah. the day, and I think that was one of the worst. So the original Elm Street, looking forward to it. If you want to get involved in the conversation about this episode or any of the others we've had, contact us via email at thrillme at iinet.net.au or on our Facebook page, Thrill Me Podcast Australia. We must be sending um iinet broke with all the data we're using on yeah, our email, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> the email's been a little bit stagnant. <laughs> if anybody feels the need to email us, that would be quite nice, I must say. But until then, take it easy, keep watching movies, and uh, we'll talk about Nightmare on Elm Street next week. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at thrillme, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.